You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back. Land Legs Podcast coming to you um, from a little New York stretch here. I'm sitting in one hotel yep. in Watertown, New York. Matt, where are you at in the world? I am in northwest Pennsylvania, Meadville area currently, and just came from New York earlier today. We're kind of uh, doing a little northeast tour before season opens up. You know what? Whenever you told me that, because these these inquiries came through uh, the email, uh, info at TV, and so they'd ask, and you'd booked them up, and you're like, yeah, we'll be in New York in late August. I thought, sweet, you know? That's going to be good. Temperature's yeah. cooling down. It'll be nice. Yeah. Might actually feel like a little bit like fall. Wrong. It has been hot and miserable today. Yeah, it, it uh, was a little steamy. I think it was 86 through most of the stuff that I was uh, I was driving most of the day today. But, however, earlier this week, um, I was visiting an area that had an excessive amount of flooding damage from a rain event. So it, it's like, wow, this is just odd for, for, for late summer to have these conditions. But I did see a site and you probably have seen it right even more so than I did, but the tops of some of the red maples throughout the state um, in this portion of the country right now are beginning to turn. And it's like, Ooh, this is the first couple signs of fall that I've seen around and I'm liking it. Yeah. No, I didn't really... Uh, you didn't see much of that? No, because um, we didn't really, you know, where we're... where I'm seeing so much of the... I guess what I'm saying is the maples are kind of where I'm at. There's a lot of bur oaks mixed in and a lot of aspen no, mixed in, in. And so I haven't yep. really ran into maples, specifically the red maples that are 
small enough and in in a kind of dense enough pocket to really even notice what's going on because uh, gotcha. of aspen and everything. So, but no, um, I did notice a lot of mosquitoes. That was kind of feeling like fall and sitting in a tree stand <laughs> getting ate up. Um, yeah. yeah, but no, it's uh, it's a good you know I, I I've grown to really like. I can't believe there's some people that are going to be shocked, but I've grown to really like New York, the west side of New York. Um, mm-hmm. And for a lot of reasons, but like where I'm at today, like great, I mean, world-class bass fishing, really good waterfowl, good numbers of turkeys, some really nice deer. If the management <laughs> and, and regulations were tweaked, there could be some really nice deer hunting in this part of the yeah. state. Um, there's bears, so bear season. Um, and then what was the other one? Rough grouse. Rough grouse. There's rough grouse around here. And, uh, you know, there's even in the, in the, in the town I'm in, there's even moose sightings that occur. Mm, Wow. So a lot of really cool stuff happens up here. And, you know, unfortunately for much of the nation, we just, when you hear New York, you think New York city and you think of, um, you can't burn and it's really hard to do anything and, um, it's hard to get herbicide and all that. But at the same time, like if some things were tweaked and, um, West New York or this part of New York was more in a, um, not so strict regulations, um, you could really, it could be world-class, um, and there, it, it could almost of- be like world-class destination for a sportsman, but. Unfortunately, yeah. it's it's not really known for that. You know, there there's segments and parts of of the state that get recognized, right, for for different aspects. Um, you know, when I was growing up, New York was was famous for turkey hunting, and that mm-hmm. kind of has subsided some. It's it's kind of taken a couple notches down on the excitement level. Um, there's still birds across the state, but but it's not like say what it once was. There seems like it gets that attention, but what what is really unique about the state is the the plant communities that you can commonly find and and like I said with that tweaking we'll talk about if there was a more of an emphasis on forestry throughout the state opposed to these large large contiguous tracts of forested areas i think the response would be wonderful um and and what i see driving across the state and working uh and, and I, I don't know if you've seen this as much Adam. you didn't drive i didn't drive many places i landed in syracuse and drove to watertown right but but there is more fields more fields that i would easily classify as old field than any other place that i that i've been and and, and i it's it's not an ag field it's not a pasture it literally is just old fields. And yeah. it's like, wow, this is fantastic to be able to see. I mean, goldenrod right now is is blooming and um, very, very visible at this time of the year up here. But um, so much of it everywhere, and, you know, you compare that to, you know, southern Missouri and every field, it seems like it is all pasture. It's so fescue dominated. We don't get that expression, but here there's a lot of beneficial plants growing in areas that aren't 100 percent ag or 100 percent pasture it's like that's some good stuff in there and then the shrub communities are phenomenal Phenomenal. oh 
so good, man. So good. Like, you're and not seeing... just upland shrubs, but wetland shrubs too. That combination is wonderful. Well, when you think about it historically too, in in this landscape, pre let's just say pre settlement, um, and there was not food plots, there was not crop fields. Like, what were the deer surviving on? What were the wildlife surviving on? And you know, when when you look at the severity of the winters and early spring is like, well, there had to be a heavy dose of woody brows. And then you look around Absolutely. and you're like, well, of course it's here. Like you've got the verb, uh, uh, like arrowwood, um, yep. viburnums, viburnums. I just had a major brain fart. Cause I, I started saying, it. I'm like, that's not right. But I said it earlier today. Why, why can't I spit that out? But, um, uh, viburnums, you've got the dogwoods, um, from rough leaf to, um, red osier to um, yep. nanny berries and then you go in and you got um, choke cherry choke cherries around and it's just like just they're everywhere and willows and oh yeah ones. willows yeah forgot I uh, forgot to mention that there was a good amount of those following the wet seams and um, just pretty awesome stuff well, and and, and, and I remember the... you talked about the first you know the first trip up into Minnesota for you were like shrubs everywhere. Yeah. Compare yeah. that to New York. Which one has more shrubs? You think in the places more? you've seen? Oh, I was on. I was on. A, I think I, I was on a property um, the last two days in southern New York. One of the areas was just extremely heavy shrubs. Yeah, and and that was un unlike many of the other places around. So I would have to say, pound for pound, acre to acre, um, Minnesota had more. But you can get into specific spots here that it is much more prevalent. Minnesota, I think, see, we're, until you got to the northern portions, was was not as much forested, and so there's a lot more of the transitional cover. Um, yeah, I think whether where I'm at today is probably more comparable to where you were in Minnesota because of the I would agree, the marshy yes. landscape, close to yeah. close to big water, close to water, and. Yeah, it definitely has a, uh, I mean, Woody Browse, name of the game. I don't know how many times you have to say it because it's just like we could go in and find Aspen Sprouts and they're hammered and they're getting hammered this time of year. And it's like, imagine wintertime when they really need that. Like, oh, I I, I, I compare it to, in my head, I'm going, I think I had this conversation with Chad yesterday, uh, earlier this week about how, Comparing the amount of forage that a sapling, just a, a a new growth sapling, could provide, versus cutting down a tree and having that massive stump to provide um, woody browse, like yes, the uh, the idea that yeah, you know, using herbicide on this forest up here is like to me it should be a cardinal sin if we're trying to create habitat for wildlife because they need it. And if you're yeah. thinking, okay, I'm going to cut these trees down. Actually, if I'm going to hack and squirt these trees or girdle and spray these trees and leave them standing and hope that this new flush of forbs and stuff is going to provide the forage for the deer herd, it's not. We're fooling ourselves no. to think that, that, it, that it has that same power. It doesn't. You and I talked about the growing season up here yesterday on, on another topic, and you know, from let's just call it May 20th till uh, October 1 to 10, that's the growing season. And, yeah. and so the form component that we've mentioned previously isn't 
lacking in a lot of places in the old fields um, that you can find them across a lot of places. So, so that's represented on the landscape, but what isn't is that woody component. So we look at the most stressful times up here and that longevity of winter coming into spring when they're foraging heavily on the brows, the buds, the, the, the tender ends of twigs, you have to have so much more to carry deer through or hold them during those time frames. It's just, it's unreal, but yep. it doesn't make sense. Like you're saying to go in and use herbicide to treat all of these stems and stumps and treat, you know, that, that, that you're cutting down in this area because that's what they need. Yes. Sunlight is going to spur on the forbs, but let the forbs come in and around the regeneration. What they're, I, I guess, did you see a lot of deer sign on your portion of, of New York? Because I saw deer everywhere, lots of deer sign. And, and so we're trying to add a limited resource that is needed for long periods of the year. And doing so in a really high deer density, they're going to consume a lot. Oh, totally. It's like you, you, you've got to have that much more in an area that has a high deer density. So yep. until you know what kind of pressure and how fast those sprouts are actually going to be able to keep up with the mouths of all the deer to feed them, don't treat them. You can always no. go back and do so if you need to, but like give it to them, provide yep. it. Yeah. And that's where it's like in today's consult kind of working with the landowner about, you know, the, the the fears of cutting trees. I'm afraid I'm going to cut too many. I'm afraid I'm going to mm-hmm. cut the wrong species. I'm going to and I'm like, if you're a deer, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're just happy trees are getting cut. Right, right. So absolutely. We, and if you're a grouse, a... you're probably just happy that the trees are getting cut because you know totally. that that that's the name of the game up here right now. Is is just is we need that disturbance in the forest. We need that young forest regeneration. We need more woody brows. We need more dense cover. Um, and and it's kind of one of those two that you can probably make a go out on a limb and make this assumption that it's probably easy to see how someone could be a little. Uh, let's just say. We all have this like mysterious thing with deer in big woods, deer in big timber, when we probably could overlook a lot of deer living out in the shrubland, and oh, and, sure. and, and and like like today, like when when we were going around looking at this property, it was like, where did the deer come from? Well, they come from this way, and they come from over there, and it's like. When he pointed this way, it was like, and that's what I figured. We're talking mm-hmm. eight foot tall shrubs mixed in Forbes, goldenrod, milkweed, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Some reed canary thrown in the mix. And it's like, I'm glad you picked up on that because there's a lot of deer living out there in that. Because pound for pound, there's way more food out there and there's way better cover out there than there is in the quote big woods like we all sometimes associate deer with yeah and and, uh i I know we've had this conversation before on the podcast but it it is it needs to be said i believe as we're talking about let's say this region uh, in particular but it still applies to every region i think that 
it's you can get so oh gosh what's the right term here you can get so used to just accepting an area or a farm or the land use in a specific region you can get stagnant and just accept it for what it is and almost just cap yourself or put a ceiling of a neighborhood of New York of a region that is just so unnecessary and I feel like that a lot of landowners potentially find themselves in that boat because they can't see the potential because they're just accepting it for what the land already is and there's a lot of other options and they're as good as it is the responses to some of these techniques when you have such a fantastic base of species like you know, raspberries blackberries goldenrod um greenbrier red maple heavy to come back into forest areas after you've opened them up to me it's like they're there, what is the ceiling? I don't know what it is because find me a property that that is just maxing it out and then has the age structure in this area um, of older age class deer to really showcase what can be done. Yeah. But it's like don't don't just accept New York for that big timber. We're, we're only can can only get deer to maybe three and a half. Guys, there's there's a lot out there that can be done and huge improvements. And I think from the habitat standpoint, the the response can be awesome, awesome, awesome. That's what gets me jazzed up about coming up here. Yeah, because it's like, boys, this can get good. This can get real good. Yeah, no doubt. I uh, and I agree one hundred percent. That's why New York has grown on has gone up the li- my list very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um which feels weird just to even put that on the map because it's not a state that people go, yeah, I'm like, let's go to New York. Right, right. But let's drive through Missouri and Indiana and Illinois and Ohio (laughs) and Pennsylvania. (laughs) Right, right. But Um, it is, it's, it's a gorgeous state. I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to drive through good bit uh, of it uh, over the last couple of days. Um, Fantastic gorgeous state but the the options are here and they're they're present let's talk a little bit about the the forestry side of thing adam and i know you did not see a big portion but earlier in the year you were here yeah um in the southwest portion of of uh excuse me of new york um how much logging operations despite being so heavily forested did you see occur or happening um or let's say that had occurred even. Did well, you see much of that? I So the first property I worked, there was a timber harvest that had gone on, but like, you know, it had been harvested and it was still at a 70% closed canopy. Heavy maple. Heavy maple. And then there was also the other property I worked, they had not logged, but they had, they were planning on having a logging operation come in and, and take some trees. And it was like, it needs uh-huh. to happen. But these are two guys, those were two guys that had uh, a seriousness with white-tailed deer. So it was like they knew sure. it needed to be done. and But they're a small sample size of, of the whole neighborhood. And the whole neighborhood needed it, like, uh, as an old phrase that my brother used to say all the time, they needed it something fierce. Um, yeah. 
it, because it just it's hard for any kind of deer population to survive a heavy winter with with limited woody browse. That's right. That's when stress levels go through the roof. That's when they hurt up, almost turn into like migratory animals. We're gonna go from this this landscaping one night to that landscaping <coughs> the next night, and it comes very very problematic and very high stress level. And you can just see how deer could get stunted in their potential because of that. Um, today, the logging had gone on on portion of the property, but overall, like, I mean, just giving you a, a ballpark of timber management in the north, I've always been let down. Like, I wish we were be, I wish we would be cutting more instead of cut the whole property and then wait thirty years. I wish it'd be like let's cut part of the property. Five years later, let's go cut another part of it. Five years later, uh-huh. let's go cut another part of it to where there was always some regeneration occurring. But right now, what I see is very little cutting. And then when it does get cut, it's like hammer everything and then come back in 30 years. Right, right. And that's a that's a being within the state that is difficult to be able to burn that kind of is removing some of the option off the table from a, the, the disturbance standpoint so that frequency of a mechanical reduction or mechanical disturbance like logging, you do want that more present in a shorter interval than the 30-year time frame. Yeah. Um, so so that five, eight-year difference or, or timing in between when logging crew shows up and works the property um, it's definitely necessary. So I know there's a happy medium, right? Between um, they have to have enough acreage and value to, to come, but such, make sure you're setting yourself up for those um, more frequent type harvests to occur in, in the future. However, you're, you're working your property because that is a major disturbance to gain and get you where you need to go opposed to some other areas of the, the country where burning um, you can do on your own. So yep. you got to have, you got to have that have crew. Yeah. There was a couple of things I wanted to mention on this podcast, not totally unrelated to New York. If you're ready to shift. Oh, I was going to say one other thing about New York. And I think that you, you've seen this down South and you said there's some, some good deer up there in Watertown and there's portions of the state that, they killed really nice deer pretty frequently, but there's others where you see these just really large body deer, 250 to 300 pound deer in the state. And the further north you go, you get larger bodied animals to make it through winter, but you see just very small antler sizes. And it's like almost looks disproportional almost, but it's like, well, that's a mature deer, but it's still just... 115 inch deer is still 125 inch deer yeah it's not necessarily oh i guess i say that's most likely i say most likely like very strong very strongly that's not a genetic thing that's probably a a product of stressful environments or lack of food high stress from when it was born all the way through to maturity we don't know just because it is mature that it's what percentage it's essentially showing revealing on of antler size on its head it could just be grown in a very stressful environment that does not have the woody brows ample to get it through and it's never produced quality antlers despite 
at having the potential to. And so, yeah. again, don't put that ceiling on your property if you're limiting the forage and and, and uh, ability to get deer through winter the healthiest that they can be. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful state. Wonderful state. Yeah, no doubt. <coughs> yep. Oh, man. No, I had a couple things. Um, we haven't talked about it at all yet, but um, I don't think we have any way that Missouri Department of Conservation open up opening up bear season this fall. Uh-huh. Have you have you talked about I don't think we've talked about it. I, I think, I think we've mentioned it. Like, here here's what I I'm going to say this. I I'm 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 realizing this now. If this isn't the biggest opportunity and not that I'm not, I'll just say this. This is lining up now based on the few months that we've had of uh of a bear season being a bear season is coming. People have their tags, which I'm not one of them. Um, I didn't make the cutoff and, and get applied in time because I just totally forgot. So I, I'm not chasing bears this fall. But if there is a time for the MDC game wardens to have a really good chance to, this might be the biggest bust of all time for Missouri Department of Conservation. You know where I'm going with this? Baiting. Baiting. So I'm going to say this because... You know, have you noticed, well, so we did two different cell cameras, and I can't remember. You're on the farm unit. Your your email's on the farm one, but I never added you yes. to the other one because I don't want to overwhelm your email. But um, we've had one picture of bears this summer, mm-hmm. a cub, uh, two cubs, and a sow. Yep. For the last five years, we've been overwhelmed with bears during the summer. How come this year is different than all the others? There's a there's a preparation for <laughs> exactly. the upcoming bear season. That's the only thing <laughs> I can think of. of. Like yeah. it is insane because we're not doing anything different. We've thrown out a little bit of rice bran. We're still in a county that can use it. So we throw out find a good deer, maybe maybe get a good picture of a deer out in the distance, say, Oh, we need to bring him closer and throw out a little pile of rice bran and be like, Okay, um, and so we've done the same thing the last five years, and here you go, no bears, even though we have scattered rice bran occasionally out on the property. It's insane. I've never seen anything like it. Like I'm just baffled that we've had so few pictures of bears. And right, I think right. the only thing that's changed is the fact that there's a lot of guys out there trying to keep bears close because of the upcoming bear season. It would not. It would not surprise me. Um, not, not surprise me. And then a, and I, the other side of it is there's a lot of radio collared. I say it's the biggest bust of all time, or it could be, um, is because there's a lot of radio, radio collared bears still out there. So if they're going to these, you know, and they're following their patterns and going, oh, there's clearly this bear goes to this spot every day or every other day. I know there's a feeder right there, and then a mm-hmm. guy hunts right there. I'm just like, holy cow. Is anybody does anybody know that this is, could happen? Because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's going to be yeah. like, holy cow. Yeah, uh, 100 bears were killed and half of them were taken illegally with the bait. I mean, and that's, that's the thing for those who don't know. Obviously now uh, the, you cannot use bait to hunt these bears as part of the regulations. It's just mm-hmm. a rifle. Um, you can use a rifle during October to hunt the bears, um, and, and that's pretty much it. Yep. Good luck. Get after Ten them days in October. 
no dogs, yeah. no bait. Right. So so it, it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, I just I just want to. I'm excited for the opportunity for the conservation win that mm-hmm. there is a black bear season now opened up in an area that used to be um, have incredible bear numbers. You know. 1800s 1700s kind of situation lots and lots of bears um but then saw a giant decrease now we're getting back to a population size that is sustainable and a reproduction rate that is really kind of second to none in a lot of different areas um the country so that's that's a that's a win for conservation and a win for hunters i just hope everyone out there sees it like that and is wall biting in this opportunity. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think, oh man, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the bear population does in a few years. Cause you know, no mm-hmm. bait, no dogs, people are going to scatter these things out of the hot spots where guys have seen them every single year. They see them during deer season. They're going to have people come in and hunt them if they're not hunting them themselves. And bears are going to start getting moved around. So it'll be interesting to see how many more bear pictures we get this fall. Um, versus, you know, how many we get in past falls because they don't usually, we have one or two that stick around during the fall the last couple of years, but it'll be interesting to see if we get an explosion of bears uh, this year versus others. The interesting, you know, most times in October, uh, obviously a big driving force is going to be a mass production. And on many portions of Southern Missouri, just the ridge tops um, may have acorns on them. There was a very late frost, and you remember turkey hunting this this spring. A very defined line on on the the elevation side of things, yeah. where portions of ridges got hammered with frost. Trees that had leafed out and bloomed out, um, they died back, and it took several weeks to uh, get that back that foliage back. So it'll be really interesting to see how people hunt these bears what what the success rate is considering that kind of being thrown into the wrench this year as well no doubt no doubt one other thing um we haven't mentioned it at all and you're going to be shocked that i even say it probably because we haven't talked about it publicly Uh um but you know word spread this this spring from a lot of people um uh, friends of ours and that um Man, it seemed like everywhere we went, there was an event where anybody talking was like, it sounds like MDC is going to head and open up all day spring turkey hunting. And a lot of people I don't think even knew that this was, there was a possibility that this would happen. Um, It was on the the voting block, let's say. Yeah, it sounded like it was on the voting block and nobody was getting a vote on it. Um, Yeah. Which is unfortunate that it has gotten that political. Yeah. but, you know, for Missouri residents, there was a, a pretty good chance of MDC passing all-day hunting, at least in a portion of the state. Um, and so uh, just this week and more of our uh, travels, we came across that um, basically that that, has not, that is not happening, at least in 2022. And um, for better, for worse, or for good or bad, people can ask us our opinion, but we just looked at it as, man, here we are, the lowest harvest of all t- uh, of since having a three week season, and 
they're talking about expanding uh expanding the hunting hours basically in the season it was like oh my gosh this is going to be a horrible image i was just have happy and very relieved to hear that even though even though most people weren't even aware that this was going to happen um we were very relieved to hear that it is not actually going to be brought to the forefront so yeah it it uh it would it would not have let's say looked good with as much let's say negative opinion there is right now floating around turkey numbers reproduction uncertainty harvest rates to increase that opportunity for a bird it's like let's yeah. get some more good solid research out there of what needs to happen to yeah. correct those and and then once once that's corrected i'm not opposed to it at all but but let's just make sure we've got we got a right long ways to go going. before we can ever think about that uh, yeah, you know, and the one thing people would say right is like, shit. the numbers don't, you know, the the research shows that it wouldn't have any effect. And it was like, well, the research also showed that uh, decreasing from three bucks to two buck tag limit wouldn't have any effect. But we did that anyway, too. So don't tell me what yeah. numbers. Don't try to get me with the the numbers show that it's not going to have any effect because we already we already made a motion uh, against that anyway. So. But yeah, so for some people, um, you know, I think it's the reason I bring it up is one of those reminders of like, try to keep your ear to the pavement, try to keep your ear to the ground to listen for things that are going to happen. Because, you know, being a a public um, uh, government that's supposed to be have very heavy public influence, um, you know, sometimes things are happening that don't aren't really getting brought to the public. So uh, I believe, from what I understand, there was a lot of people that were not happy with this, and I'm not sure it ever got to the public degree that where they really poured in. But if you guys were part of that, we appreciate you voicing your opinion and uh, making a pretty good decision for this time and for 2021 at least. But anyway, uh, Matt, you got anything else you want to say? Um, I think next week we're going to start hunting content bringing over yep and incorporating hunting content into more of the weekly podcast um as i know a lot of people are heading out west here soon if they haven't already um but deer seasons are starting to really consider opening up and i think at the end of this week tennessee is having their three-day um velvet season as this podcast drops um so three-day mosquito hunt yeah, people are going to be in the tree stand and, um, you know, getting after deer. So that's where our content's going to shift to on, on some of these podcasts coming up. And we're going to... At least half the um, content each week. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to be yeah. um, bringing you guys some, some of that content. We'll have hunts coming up from last year, too, to be released in the coming weeks and months. So, guys, we're excited for deer season and we're going to be kind of switching some gears around and, and getting that information out there. So be sure to stay tuned and um, see how you can best finalize your prep for the upcoming deer season. Yep. Sounds good guys. Well, we appreciate you listening each and every week and we'll catch you next week. Yep. See you.